Blog Talk Radio. Anyone want coffee? Hello, fellow book writers and caffeine fiends. Welcome to A Daily Cup of Joe, where you'll get to hear from publishing industry pros and affirm your inner bookworm. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm going to say it again. Welcome to A Daily Cup of Joe. Sometimes I host a random guest so I can just talk books, writing, and the creative process. I am a little crazy like that. So today happens to be one of those days. I'm author Joe Michaels of the Joe Michaels blog, and I'm your host. You're all in luck because I managed to get author Sylvia Stein to join me today for a little chat. She's the mastermind behind the novella Closure and the novel Chasing Clarity. You can find a number of links in the description of the show, including a link to the release party over on Facebook. I urge you to check those out. Today, Sylvia and I will be talking about where the ideas from her books came from, how she started writing, and what she has planned for the future. She's also promised to read a bit from Chasing Clarity, so I do hope you stick around for that. You all know how much I love to be read, too. Awesome. I refuse to bore you with my dribble any longer. Let's just get Sylvia out here so she can join in the fun. If you're ready, grab a cup of joe, and let's get to it. Good morning. How are you, Sylvia? I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with everyone. I'm excited to have you. It's awesome to have you here, and it's a pleasure to meet you. This is the first time we've actually spoken and gotten a chance to know each other, so we'll get to the questions here in a minute. But first things first, I have to ask, because it's a passion of mine, as you can tell by the name of the show, how do you take your coffee? Well, it's a good thing you asked about that. I'm actually very spoiled now. I actually have coffee with cream and sugar, but I have a Keurig that my husband, my very awesome husband, Jeremy, got me, um, and uh, I'm spoiled like that. So now I take my – it's very easy to do, and uh, I feel like a very spoiled person because I have that. (laughs) So Yeah, so – yeah, you recognize the intro then, because that was actually a Keurig making a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that that goes well with what what how I drink my coffee now. So thanks. If you caught the, I did an interview with Stacy Rourke a few weeks ago. She said she actually personalized her Keurig with little eyeballs, and she talks to it. So oh wow, well, I'm not there yet, but you never know. Ask me again in a couple of months. <laughs> It's an idea, right? Take them where you can get them. Yes. (laughs) So so I'm going to jump right into our questions, and we'll start off with me asking you, how long have you been writing? Well, actually, I've been writing, you know, all all my life I've been writing. You know, everyone says that, but I actually uh, started writing since I was a kid, and it it took over in high school and college. But actually, I went back to it um, after, you know, you have the career, the family, I went back to it in 2010, so I've been writing uh, accurately since 2010. And what got you started writing, like, back when you were a kid? What what drew you to the written word? Well, um, I actually have always loved creating stories in my head, like taking you back to, uh, you know, you go to the library at school. When I remember 
my uh, my first teacher in kindergarten. Uh, that's how far back I remember. Mrs. Torres uh, back at Longoria Elementary School in Texas. Because I'm originally from Bronzeville, Texas, and uh, she used to uh, take us to the library. And I remember being so uh, taken back by all the books you could look at, and you look at the pictures and the stories, and I always wanted to create my own stories since I was younger. My mother used to say, you know, I can never keep you from writing. You were always writing and drawing, and I see that in my daughter a lot now, that uh, it's, it's just, it, it just blew me away how you could just, you know, draw a picture and write out and, and do like a picture mm-hmm. book story, so... Well, do you happen to remember the first thing you ever wrote? Well, the actual the actual story I actually wrote was a play that I remember writing for my sister. She needed it for one of her classes, and I was still, I think, that I can remember really, really well. It was a play she needed um, with a queen and uh, a king and a queen, and I wrote a play for her. And she was in elementary, and I was already in middle school. I don't remember the title, but I remember that she she used to say that I was really good back then. She always reminds me of, uh, and I even tried to write Grease 3, but I found out that (laughs) you need a copyright for that, so I couldn't keep going with that idea. (laughs) You could have called it something else like, lubricant three or something something, you know but I I wrote it all out and back then I didn't have a type you know I wrote everything down I had my friend and my my best friend Eloisa and my sister write out the other pages and then my grandmother one day you know she didn't know she used to pick up anything she thought was trash or paper she threw it all away Oh, oh, no. So, so we were over here rehearsing. I'm like, well, we're going to have to ad-lib now because there's no paper to re- to rehearse with. <laughs> I had a Hispanic grandmother. Anything that looked like pieces of paper that you didn't label, that was trash. <laughs> so. Oh, gosh, we're out. Grandma cleaned the house again. We've got to start over. <laughs> yes, you got to. Yeah. And, and my mother does that now, but except now I'm like, mother, this is not trash. This is folders with a name on it, and she's like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of we kind of no, no, no. got that straightened out a long time ago, though. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so since the beginning, what has been your favorite part of being a writer? My favorite part of being a writer is creating stories and characters. Um, you know, when you sit and you start, you know, drawing a timeline of characters you want to make you know make a I don't know you want to make an impact with your readers and that's the best part about being a writer um, is creating characters for your readers that they're going to enjoy and when you hear a reader tell you you know what you made me cry not that it, that I want to make you cry but that you get to feel the emotions of of when you write the character and you, and you have your readers tell you, you know, thank you for writing this story. It really helped me through something. Those are the best things about being a writer for me. Oh, yeah, making people cry is absolutely, that's number one. People, you know, they come, they, my reviews for iZombie say, what the heck, zombie books are not supposed to make me cry. <laughs> I'm like, that was my point. I gotta make. But, it but that was a, so you want to create emotion. Yeah. Like uh, I had, I, I I cried with one reader who called me, uh, uh, like a little bit of a. Uh, she says I saw a little bit of Jody Picold in your writing. Oh my God, that was like 
my husband's like, why are you crying? Oh, that was the best compliment ever. Because, you know, she's one of, you know, I, I look up to Jody Picole and a bunch of other authors. Oh, but yeah. That, well, that meant so much to me when when I was told that. So. <laughs> my eldest daughter, that's her favorite author. So, yeah, I, I get it. It's That's a huge compliment. Must have made yes, it, so it is. Good. And I was just like, my husband's like, oh, now you're crying. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, I am. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, yes, I exactly. Completely. Yeah. So, which character's been your favorite to create to date, and why? I love all my characters, but my favorite has to be Mia Gerard from Chasing Clarity. She took me to so many places um, with the emotions of the story, and I grew more as a as you know with her, her soul, you know. I, I was able to, to kind of go, go into her and feel everything that she was feeling and experiencing. So she's been my favorite to date for now. Yes. Oh, speaking of that book, um, everybody who's listening, um, Sylvia's going to read a little bit of that for us later. But um, how about where that idea for that particular book come from? Actually, um, that actually came from in July of 2013, I woke up to the very sad news of uh, there's a favorite show that I used to watch. I don't know if you're familiar with it called Glee. Did you ever hear about that show? Uh, Well, uh, I woke up to the news in July that one of the characters of that show had passed away. And it was a Sunday. I still remember waking up. Going into you know, and I was going to church, and then I I check I always check my my emails and stuff like that, and I I saw my sister message me like five times, and I thought, okay, what's going on? Says Sylvia, I I didn't want to have to tell you this, but they just announced that the character that played Finn you know passed away, and it was like people were like, oh no, this is, this doesn't affect you. I watched that show. My husband can tell you. Anyone that knows me can tell you. I lo- I love watching that show throughout, but when he passed away, it was like, oh my god! Like I never thought I'd feel so sad as I did, and then I started thinking about the people that, you know, that that would miss him, you know, in his family, whether it was his mother to his girlfriend, or, and then the idea started kind of looming from that, and, and I, I did it in a different way, but I wanted to show people about loss and what happens after that. So then when National Novel Month came, that's when the story came. And then, of course, I know other people that have lost a beloved one, and that's where Mia Gerard grew uh, as far as the character of her and the loss that she was going through. Yeah, do you think that you identified with the guy from Glee um, on, like, a personal level and, you know, watching him on the show and whatnot, and you liked his character, and that's why? Yes, I did. Uh, only because uh, I love music and I love the show because it always had a positive message that you, like, if you were an underdog or it was about mm-hmm. anti-bullying. It was about different people yeah. coming together to, uh, to, to you know, to kind of show respect for one another. And then the choir director, and Finn was, like, the leader of the group. He was, like, one of those people that, that uh, put everyone together, even though people always looked up to him. He didn't really know if he could do it, but in the end, he was always showing everyone, I can do this. And then to know that he had that painful, you know, uh, that happened to him, you know, in real life, you know, you, you, you know, you kind of feel like for his, for himself, as well as his family and, and people that knew him, 
I always felt like, oh, my God, you know, I want to turn in this story into something that shows, without taking, you know, aim at him, of course, turning into something positive for everyone to, to see that, you know, characters can grow from, from a loss, like Mia is a different character. The story itself is not about Finn, but that's where the story grew, because he, I did look up to him, and the characters from that yeah. show were very important to me as a person. Well, then it makes sense you would experience grief because you connect with them, and yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So yes, and and, and you um, know sometimes it's kind of like you know it's something you you feel like some part of you is like is this silly, but no, because I know people that really love a yeah. certain show and they really look up to certain characters. It, it, you know, and it was it was a sad summer that year. I remember in June. James Gandolfini, who, who was on The Sopranos, had passed away. Then in July, we have uh, Corey Monteith, who played Finn, pass away. So it, 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 you do, you know, you do grieve. A, a lot of people think, oh, you can't grieve for a character, but you do. You know, in my case, yeah. that was the case, and and it, it did happen that way. And that, I feel like that's that's also like a testament to success for a novel. Whenever somebody feels it, whenever your character passes, so. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I wanted to show a positiveness, too, in Mia that what happens to her now? You know, what what is she going to mm-hmm. do now that Leo, which is a, a character I created in the story, this happens to Leo, uh, the love of uh, someone that she really loves. You know, what is she going to do? She's a young woman, you know, with so much promise. What's going to happen to her now? Is she going to deal with, you know, how is she going to take the loss? Is she going to, you know, uh, just go down and be depressed, or is she going to do something about it? So I wanted to show a positive message, and I kind of took it from also from the character, you know, in his own life and the people that he left behind. Uh, how are mm-hmm. they doing now? You know what I mean? Kind of like that. I do, Absolutely. So do you, would you say that you like you gravitate toward books that also have positive messages? Yes, I do. I, I am a firm believer. It doesn't matter if you have a villain in, in, a, in a book. I always believe in, in positive messages. Uh, my books always will have a message. Uh, w- w- like Closure was more of a Sarah, you know, dealing with her emotional uh, ride with her father, grieving also for the loss of the mother, and dealt with alcoholism and abuse, you know, that she went through. But in the end, there there's, there's, has to be some message that it brings across because I want to help my readers uh, on that journey. I don't want it to be all negative. Yeah. I always like it to be positive. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's one of my favorite things in novels is to find a positive message buried in something like don't judge or, you know, be tolerant or be a better person or, you know, take the high road, things like that. I, I absolutely adore that. That's one of my yes. mentors as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes, thank you. So, um, when when you got the idea for chasing clarity, um, or enclosure, actually, this applies to both of those. Um, did you carefully plot the entire book out, or did you just kind of have a vague idea of where it was going and kind of right by the seat of your pants? Okay, well, I'll start with closure. Um, with closure, I actually I was because I went to Southern New Hampshire University. I just got my master's uh, this past. Uh, July and uh, of this year. Thank you so much. And when I took mm-hmm. my first crea- creative writing class, um, it was a short story. 
um, that it started out as. And the teacher and a bunch of colleagues and an editor who who wants to remain nameless because she's very busy, she told me, you know, um, you should make something out of this story. This is something that can be a, no, a novella. You can show others about Sarah, and 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 that's where that story came from. From uh, so I actually wrote it as a short story, which was like two, three pages, and it turned into a full-fledged novella. So I actually did do more plotting with that story than uh, mm-hmm. take it to the seat of my pants type of thing. I'm usually yeah. seat of my pants uh, person. I like to like with with clarity. On National Novel Month, I did it for Nano. I had the idea, but I actually didn't start jotting it down till I got into Nano. And and one of the things about uh, Nano is it just lets you write. So that's what I did yeah. with, with with Clarity. And then later, I had to revise it a few times with uh, fellow editors <laughs> that helped me out, friends from SNHU, colleagues, and uh, and I got to to finally create this novel. And, and create these stories. Uh, NaNoWriMo is absolutely one of the most amazing fun times of the year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. You try to write 50,000 words in a month, but if you do it, you feel like you have just flown like Superman. <laughs> oh, my God, year. yes. That's how I felt with Clarity because that was the first novel that I was able to actually well, – I didn't, I didn't get the 50,000, though. I got to 42 – and 43,000, but as a mother of three, I'm like, I did good. (laughs) Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, you have to celebrate the little victories or the big ones, just they don't mean as much. (laughs) Yes, most definitely. (laughs) You mentioned that you have kids, but has that been the most challenging thing for you to overcome with your writing career, or is it something else? Yes, it's 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 challenging at times. Not because, of course, as a mother, you you got to be mom, of course. And I know you can relate to this because you have your own children as well. Some of them are grown, mm-hmm. but you do have a. You said you had a ten-year-old daughter, correct? Yes. Okay, and as myself, I have a ten, I have a nine, and a and a six-year-old, two boys and a little girl, and uh, which I'm very blessed with. And my husband's really, really supportive, but he works all the time. He's a heating and air guy, um, and he's out, and, and he comes, and he helps out and stuff. But as a mom, mm-hmm. you know, I have to be here. I'm at home. I work from home. I do everything from home, and uh, I have to find that time. So my biggest challenge was setting up times to write. And so what I do now is I schedule times like during the day when they're out and then when they're here at later at night. I, I and but luckily for me, I've been very blessed with a good husband who's very supportive, yeah. one of my biggest fans. And uh, if it weren't for him, I don't think I could continue with this, you know, because you have to have that team team support. And my children are really, really good. You know, they understand that mommy has to work and stuff. But of course, you gotta spend time with your family as too. And I believe in that as well. So I try to mix both of them, which isn't easy to do, but you, you have to make the time. So do you, do you, are you a scheduler? Do you have like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write from this time to this time, or do you just kind of wean it in whenever you can? Actually, I'm a scheduler. I got that from my SNHU family. I want to give them a shout out. Um, Jenny Kirby is one of those. L. Brian Henry, Christopher Burlett, they're all like, uh, and Sandy uh, Wright Crabtree, they're all my, my SNHU uh, colleagues. But Jenny Kirby is one of the most 
organized uh, uh, people I know, and she got me into uh, getting a planner and writing things down and, and, and getting everything set up when I was going to SNHU. So now I actually uh, put time out to do my writing and to do my scheduling, and I've been doing this since I started school in 2012 because that's the only way you get things done now, by scheduling them. As far as for me, it works that way. I agree 150%. That's what I yes. have on my blog all the time. Guys, schedule your life. Schedule everything. <laughs> if you have laundry, schedule that in. Like, you know, yes, sit down everything. And, write. and it's funny. I used to tell her, oh, my God, what are you doing? So I have that binder. She's got binders for everything. And L. Brian Henry, who's also <laughs> a, a really new fellow author as well, her release is coming out soon, too. She's also very good about organizing and scheduling her stuff. And, you know, you just have to have those people around you. That And, of course, my mother-in-law, uh, Kathy Stein, she's very organized and gets her stuff done as well. So I want to give her a shout-out, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love I love schedulers and organizers, so I'm virtually high-fiving you from across the sound waves here. Um, that's an awesome message to send to people, by all means. Yes, get that well, yeah, I wasn't always yeah. that way, but that's the only way you get stuff done now. So, Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, so I have a friend who actually plans things years in advance. She has, like, this is what I want to accomplish by this date. So do you do that? And if so, like, what do you hope to accomplish by the end of 2016? Have you written that out yet at all? Actually, I started doing that more now because, again, my mother-in-law, Kathy Stein, she always says, and I hope she doesn't mind I say this, but that you have to write stuff down that you want to accomplish. You know, aside from, you know, I'm, I'm a very believer in prayer and everything and, and stuff like that, but I, you jot things down and, and, and you put them. So now I do that. I, I didn't do that. I started doing that last year. I started in 2014, and I now I jot things down. And for hopefully by 2016, I hope my books. Uh, I hope to be able to create books that will change, like Chasing Clarity. I have two books out coming out soon: uh, The Diary of the Broken Father, which is a prequel to uh, Closure, and it's about the father speaking in this novel. And then my thriller, mm-hmm. A Battered Mind. That's my baby. That's that's you know everybody shouldn't call their books babies, but I do for Battered Mind because this is a book that oh. I've had an idea about. I did it in in National Novel Month last year. It's a thriller. It, it I hope that'll be my game changer when it comes to my books because it's a it's a very different type of writing that I'm doing for this. It still has a message, mm-hmm. but the the subject matter has to deal with a woman who has an alter personality. And it's going to deal with a lot of different types of subjects. And I'm hoping by the end of 2016, that'll get me more recognized by the end of, of, of 2016. That's what I'm hoping for for as far as, as goals are concerned. Yeah, I think I think from what you just said, we should start something like a movement called the Wall of Inspiration. When you see something, you're like, I want to do that. You write it on a sticky note and put it on the wall. <laughs> and, and write it out and write it out. There's people that have actually come yeah. out with journaling, journaling, and, and, and journaling does work. Um, there's authors out there that have had books out that are tell you to journal your way and and, and do things for. To, to inspire you, and, and whether it's a faithful journal. I think Oprah mentioned also doing journaling at one time in her show when I used to watch it. 
Um, and it, it's inspiring to just jot things down and then get inspired, like what you said, the wall of inspiration. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I, actually, now I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> You're inspiring me now, Joe, so thank you. Oh, awesome. I love to inspire people. Uh, seriously, yes. though, uh, you put it up there, you know, you make a plan. You're like, I get to take that sticky note off when I accomplish that. And then, you know, you feel yes, something. And check, it's it's kind of like, like a, a to-do, to-do list. list. <laughs> like when you do a checklist. <laughs> Of things, yeah, kind of like, okay, I got this. <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, great minds think alike. I like it. Um, so, Me too. Speaking of accomplishments and things you would like to do, um, author events. As everyone who listens to my radio show knows, I'm a huge advocate for Utopia, um, which happens yes. in Nashville every year. Um, but uh, my question is, have you done any author events and do you plan to? I yes, I do uh, author events mostly online. Uh, but I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to do one event with Lori Verney uh, Fugazi. Um, she's an author, and she wrote this uh, fabulous book called Momnesia, and you have to read that book because it's, it's fabulous, especially when you're a mom and you know how your life gets crazy with children and, and everything. And uh, she mm-hmm. had a, a, a small event we went to, which, which was really nice, and, and we were able to do like a small book signing and stuff like that. And she invited uh, several herself and other authors, and I had a great time learning. And, and this was at the time when I wrote, because I started off writing anthologies with LinkedIn with my writer's group, 750. That's mm-hmm. when I started with my books, and they inspired me. So I want to give a shout-out to the writer, 750, to because um, they got me started with my writing, and uh, Heather Schultz actually started us. And I had those anthologies, and I was able to take them there. And and I sell, you know, I didn't sell like a lot of books, but I got to meet some fabulous authors and actually learn about writing. And also online, I have the celebration of authors that have. I, that's where I met my fabulous PA, Natalie Raven. If you're listening, I want to send you a shout out for being so wonderful. And all these other authors like Carol March and all these inspiring authors that I met online. And that's where I met most of my author friends like Melissa Foster. She's a best-selling indie, you know, I think she started mm-hmm. as an indie author. Now she's a best-selling author and she helps mm-hmm. other authors with the World Literary Cafe and Melissa's awesome support team. And I, be- I met a bunch of wonderful authors and friends there also, so I want to make sure to send out a shout out to them as well. I love Melissa Foster. She's such a sweet girl too. Yes, yeah, she is. A very. She's yeah. always paving it forward to everyone. And I met some fabulous author friends that, and they still help me even with their busy schedules. Chrissy Parker, <laughs> Belinda, uh, Belinda Whitsonhausen, uh, Emerald Barnes, a bunch of you know. There's a bunch of wonderful ladies. Joyce Strand, a bunch of women there that I've met that have just been so inspiring. There's there's more, but they, they, they're, you know, they inspire me as well. So I, I really want to send a shout-out to Melissa's awesome support team and Melissa Foster and all the wonderful people at the World Literary Cafe as well. I think that, yeah, I love the World Literary Cafe. If you guys haven't checked that out, definitely go give it a check out, and you can Google it, and it will probably be the first hit that you come up on. <laughs> Yes, I'm sorry, and I ramble on, so I apologize, Joe. I, I tend to do that. <laughs> no, no, 
it's fine. I love chatty guests, like I said. Um, so um, I find that the indie author community is a lot more, I don't know, lift as you climb type thing, which is the utopia motto, but I find that it's, it's pretty prevalent among indie authors. Is yes. that what you like most about the community, or is there something else is, that really resonates with you? Well, what I like about them, you know, is that they're always willing to help you, no matter how busy they are, like you said. It's um, mm-hmm. from them to, of course, uh, you have other authors, like in Celebration of Authors, there are also a lot of indie authors, Carol March, and their group of other authors that I've met through that through there. They they just kind of want to pave it forward, and that's, what that, that's the message that I been able to also do for myself because I have other authors telling me, Sylvia, you're always trying to help us out. That's what I've learned from the indie authors. They do that for, mm-hmm. for me, so I, I always want to do that for someone else because I know what it's like. I, I'm, I've been there. I'm doing it, and I want other people to get as much help as they can like I did. So, so that's what yeah, I've learned from them. So th- this is what I love about indie authors and, you know, authors in general, mm-hmm. but especially uh, working with Melissa's Awesome Support Team, my, my SNHU family, bloggers that I've met through through that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that have done reviews for you, people that you know that just go out of their way, out of their busy schedule to have you, you know, to, to inspire them. Or you, of course, I'm going to yes. do something for them because that they're doing it for me, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I I understand completely. Do you feel like it's because we all clawed our way up through the quagmire to get anywhere that we're so willing to help other people? It wasn't like instant fame and success. Yeah, I think that's what makes us uh, separates uh, people that wanna wanna work their way up. And that's what I'm doing right now, working my way up. But I want it to, to be, even if it's it's a lot of work, I, I won't lie. But mm-hmm. it in the end, you feel really good about it because you're working really hard at it. And I know the rewards will come later. And, and right now, for me, the rewards have been my readers, uh, people like yourself and other authors that I've met that have been just so gracious to me. So that means the world to me. And, of course, my family and, and, and my faith and people that inspire me every day. So, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think that the whole working yourself up is, it makes an impact on you, who you are. Like, you know how much work goes into a book, and it, it resonates with you when someone else says, I don't understand how to do this. You're like, oh, I've been through that. I do. Let me help you out. Absolutely. Yes, I think exactly. That and that, those, that are, those are other mantras that I have. You have, you yeah. have to help others mm-hmm. in order to, be, to get yourself where you need to be. Yep. So you had mentioned that you were in a couple of anthologies. What were the titles of those? Um, I have, it's the Giant Tales Anthology. Um, I have several of them. Giant Tales from the Mystic Doors. That's where I started with Heather Schultz. She started this great group on, on LinkedIn, all those authors mm-hmm. that I met. She, um, I started with a, sh- with a short story, and every month she kept saying, Sylvia, if you want to get caught up, I can, you know, we're thinking about doing this anthology. And she ins- inspired me. To start, and this was before I started SNHU a couple of months before, and I started with her, and I got published February 14 of 2013, my son's birthday, and that was oh, my cool. first book, 
And it was so amazing to see that book and your name in the back with all the other authors and see these stories that you created um, from that book first. And then later on, a, month, a few months after, was the Mystic uh, uh, Giant Tales from the Misty Swamp. And I did a couple of other ones. Unfortunately, because I started school, which is a good thing, but um, I wasn't able to keep up with all the you know, the stories every month, and that's when I started venturing off by myself to do closure and then now Chasing Clarity. But I always have a, a deep respect for the the group, the writer's group I first started with because that was one of the best advice I got from, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book doctors, David Henry Sterry and his wife Ariel Eckstead, mm-hmm. they, they recommended yep. me doing that because I won this book, um, I didn't win the contest. They have like a picture palooza where you pitch your idea or your book. It's kind of like the American Idol of books or something. Mm-hmm. And I won this book, um, and they had a little small conference on the phone. And he said, Sylvia, you have good ideas, but you need to get into a writer's group. And that's what I did. I got into LinkedIn writer's group, then my SNHU family writing group, which is the coffee house mm-hmm. writers that we have now. And uh, cool. it, and it's been a, such a difference. It's made such a difference in my writing and in what I do. So, yeah. so a shout out to them, to David Henry Sterry and his wife Ariel as well. <laughs> Authors that get together and drink coffee. Imagine. No. <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to assume that the giant tales from Misty Swamp and those are published, right? Like on Amazon. Yes, those are on Amazon, and I believe they're, they're in Barnes & Noble, New Press also. Oh, okay. Um, and they're, uh, they're also fantasy, like fairy tale stories, right? Yes, they're, they're stories that are, um, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're different types of genres. Like she would give us a subject, like I wrote, um, you know, Justice for Anna. I think that one was uh, uh, the sunflower. It was a, the theme was a sunflower, and she gave us different types of themes. And I wrote about this girl who goes to fight for her sister because she she got you know she got killed into this. You know, I I wrote about the the Mexico the border town. I, I really it, that that was one a day that I had a hard day. I don't know if you do that when you have a hard day. You write out your stories because you're feeling you mm-hmm. want to put them out into words, and you it depends if you're upset or you're having a rough day. I took it. I took all those emotions. I think it was the day I heard about Newtown, which is very hard to hear these children getting hurt, and I wrote uh, Justice for Anna. Because of that, it, it was it was it was it had nothing to do one with the other. But I was feeling so many emotions. She <laughs> sent me the theme of the sunflower, and I I know that there's been a lot of hardships with the the women in Mexico. Cause I I grew up in uh, a bilingual. I, I grew up in a Hispanic uh, family, and I and a Mexican American. You know, and I'm from from Bronzeville, Texas, but my family has been from Mexico. And I wrote about Border Town, uh, about the, a woman who comes and fights for justice for her sister. And I kind of grew, grew that story. And I made it into this, uh, where this girl comes to, she's like an FBI agent who comes to fight for justice for her sister and what happened to her. It was a short story, but that you know, all the themes were different. Sometimes they were uplifting, like uh, the, the, the vineyard one I wrote. 
Yeah, the hidden message was about a woman fighting, you know, trying to save her family's vineyard. Every every story I wrote was some type of message had to be in it. Oh, of course. I've, I've, messages in books are the thing that I love most about reading because even when you're not picking up on the message consciously, your subconscious is definitely grabbing it. And yes, exactly. It Exactly, and I want to, you know, like I said, the the writers, writing groups do help you. I learned, I have mm-hmm. learned so much from all the the ones I'm in the coffeehouse writers now, and the the LinkedIn group. I learned so many, so much. There's so much talent within the writers that you just got to give them props because everyone has something to say <laughs> and something to show. So, yes, they do, and absorbing that information is key to your career. I think maybe many authors started out by writing short stories and then they expanded into novellas and novels from there. Um, I think it's a great way to learn how yes. to construct a story. Yes, it is. If you can write a short story, you can certainly write a novel. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we we spoke just a little bit about reading and how it's key to an author. You know, you have to read or you can't really write. Um, so who exactly. is your favorite author of all time? My favorite author of all time uh, is uh, Mr. Stephen King. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've, I've always loved his writing. And, of course, Jody Picoult's the second. Um, but uh, L. Brian Henry, who's a fellow author of mine, a uh, friend of mine, um, she, she, her and I connected because we were like, Stephen King, yes. We knew we were friends after we said that. Um, and, and it's, it's the way he, I think I've appreciated the way he's been honest about how important it is to write, uh, to read, and then, and, and it, it goes so well with your writing. He always talks about television being a distraction. Not that you can't watch TV, but he says if you really want to be a dedicated writer, you really have to take the time to sit down and write. And then reading mm-hmm. does help you so much with your, with what you're trying to say. Yeah, I read his book on writing. I actually met him, and I know. Oh, wow. I'm jealous now. (laughs) He does one book signing a year, and we happened to – there was a Savannah Book Festival, and I was like, ooh, Stephen King's going to be there. So while I was there, I picked up his book on writing. And Mm -hmm. in there, he says he always has a paperback with him just in case he's waiting or riding or – you know, in a car or walking, you know, or sitting on a park yes. bench, he, you know, he reads. So his whole life is books. Um, your yes. love of him, though, do you think that that is what draws drew you to write the thriller that you plan to release next year? Do you think that was, like, key? Yes. I think I see a little bit of Stephen King in me, even though it's not about horror, but, the, but there are some elements of, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're going to write this. So you'll, you guys will find out more as, as it gets closer to coming together. But I've worked, I, yeah. I've, I've, I, I do see a lot of Stephen King inspiration um, kind of from, taken from him in this story, yes. I will say that. Oh, absolutely. I think you have to read in the genre that you write. That's why I tend to shy away from romance because I don't really read a lot of romance. Yes, so my, and, my and I don't I don't write sci-fi. Not that I have anything against it. It's just not <laughs> something that I'm good at. Or I don't believe I am. I think I wrote one story on one of my short stories called Mad About Science, and I about lost it. My head was, like, hurting. I was like, wow, I can't believe I wrote that. I think somebody else came and wrote it for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's so much research for sci-fi. I mean, you literally have to be an expert yes. on yes, whatever you you're do. writing about. Oh, it is crazy. <clears throat> I did a yes, but, story on them. Um, but one thing I will say, um, going back to that story of Jessica Brana really quick, just to clarify, yeah. Um, sometimes when you're feeling emotions, like you hear something in the news, because I know Stephen King's inspiration for Mr. Mercedes came from a story he watched on the news, or he heard, he read it on a newspaper, I believe, and it was so horrific that that's what inspired his story. And and for me, Justice Brana, that day, the day that I started writing was, was when all that happened with Newtown and those you know, that tragedy that happened, and I was just so, you know, I have three children, so for me, I I, I took it all, you know, that, that, that pain that I was feeling, and I wrote out that story, but not because it was about them, but the pain I was feeling when I heard about it, and I wrote it down. You know, and not that it was had nothing to do with the other, but it, sometimes feelings or how you feel sometimes have a toll on what you're writing as well. I don't know if you feel that way. Well, yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. They're definitely interrelated in so many ways because you have to feel or you can't write. Exactly, and and that and and that's always how I write. I have to feel something when I'm writing and connect with a character because, of course, you're bringing mm-hmm. it to your reader. You want your reader to connect to them as well. so. Right. I always say that writing is the perfect excuse to be schizophrenic because you can talk, sit around and talk to yourself. Um, so do you feel like yeah. your characters join you and have conversations in your head? Do you, yes, do you they bother me a lot. Sadie's <laughs> been, that's the main character in Battered Mind. She's like, when am I coming out? <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, I feel better because you know now it's not just me. No. No. Yeah. We're the ones going flying over the cuckoo's nest now. to yourself in public and you're like oh I'm just having a conversation with the characters in my head and they don't get it no I just kind of right. go well haven't you seen the little boy in the middle where he whispers why well, do the same thing it's okay <laughs> <laughs> exactly so um, my favorite Stephen King novel is actually Gerald's Game I read that when I was younger and it scared the ever loving bejesus out of me uh, oh, my which goodness. one is your favorite and why okay well my uh God, it's so hard to to pick uh, Stephen King's uh, any anyone, but the one that yeah. uh, really terrified me is Doctor Sleep. He wrote that's uh, the sequel to The Shining. Oh my goodness! You even even reading it in the daytime. Yeah, because if you don't read one of his books in the daytime, you end up with pillows piled around your head, <clears throat> and you keep looking over your shoulder, wondering if something is sneaking up on you. Ooh, I think I lost her. Are you still there, Sylvia? Well, let's see if we can't get her back, because we are almost to the part where she is supposed to read for you guys. So that's not cool. Come back to me, dear Sylvia. Yes, I am making my own music for you all right now while we wait <laughs> dialing i don't hear it ringing you have reached a time warner cable phone customer uh-oh. this mailbox uh-oh we lost her 
let's try again. We definitely Hello? need to get that real. Hey, we, we lost you somehow. Hello. Oh, goodness. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I was still talking, and I didn't hear you. I was talking to myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was talking to you. And so, yeah, I said um, it's one of those moments where you have pillows wrapped around your head, and you're looking over your shoulder to see if something's creeping up on you. You have to read those books yeah. during the day, or you have that happen. Yes, it happens a lot. And, 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 and Stephen King, you got to be prepared. So you make sure you, you read it and you're kind of looking over. And I kept hearing noises. And my husband's like, why are, you, why, why are you reading it? You're scared. It's Stephen King. I have to do it, you know? <laughs> yes, I do. I understand completely. So um, you're going to read a little bit of Chasey Clarity, but have you ever wanted to do an audio book for that? Like, have you wanted to hear someone else read your book? Actually, it's a good thing you asked that. Um, for yes, I've always loved audio books. I think um, I, I personally enjoy them a lot. And I actually did one for closure, and I got a gentleman by the name of Clay Lomayaku, who did uh, mm-hmm. closure is on Audible, and I love the way it sounds. I, I think it brings the story even more to to light. And I know everyone's. Uh, I had a few people say, "Why did you choose a a guy instead?" Because I I heard the the different auditions, and he was the the one that really got the story to carry through. That's why. So I'm hoping to do the. Of course, for chasing clarity, I would like a girl to audition for the part. Can you hear me? Uh huh. Hello. Yeah, and yeah, I, I would like a, a girl to audition for the part. So yes, I would love to to listen to an audio of hopefully chasing clarity within the next few months. Hopefully. So did you do it through ACX? Through ACX, I have closure. Yes. Uh huh. Oh, okay, cool. So I yeah, wow. it's available on Amazon and Audible and iTunes right now. Yes. Oh, very cool. Okay, well, um, now I'm going to have you read your little bit of Chase and Clarity. But first, I'm going to read the blurb to all my listeners, so kind of warm them up here. You ready to go? Yes, I am. Okay. All right, everybody. Here is the blurb for Chase and Clarity, and then Sylvia is going to read for about 15 minutes. What happens when you lose the person most important to you and are left to pick up the pieces? Mia Gerard had always wanted to be a trained dancer, yet she had just lost the love of her life in a tragic accident. Leo Dancy was her best friend and soulmate. As she tries to deal with losing him, she finds his absence unbearable, and she feels lost without him. But then a great opportunity arises for Mia that she just can't turn down. She's accepted into the New York Dance Academy of Performing Arts. At first, she is overwhelmed, but once she gets there, she begins to allow herself to heal. This is when she comes across Henry Watson, a painter with aspirations of acquiring his own exhibit one day. While she ponders her feelings for Henry, will she be too late? Or will she find the clarity she needs and chase after him? And I give you Sylvia. Okay, prologue, part one. When I looked into his eyes, I could not keep from crying. It had been so long since I felt this way. Mia, what is wrong, he asked. I cast my eyes down to the ground and bit my lip. I blocked his voice and did not want to hear what he had to say. This was not Leo. He could never be like him. Where are you? Come back to me, my love. Grabbing my purse, I headed to the door. I'm sorry, Henry, but I have to go now. You're leaving now, he asked uneasily. I nodded. Yes, I have to go now. Mia, please don't go, he pleaded. His tormented face broke my heart, but I felt entrapped, 
and the need to escape suffocated me. No, I have to go, Henry. I tried to break away, but he pulled me towards him. Mia, why are you not looking at me? Please, Henry, I need to go. Mia, talk to me, he demanded, soothingly, which only irritated me even more. How can I make him understand? I can't do this now. Henry began to caress my arm in comfort, but to no avail. I tried to remain polite, but it was hard to do. I need to go now. Mia, please don't do this. I tried to keep it together. I did not want to hurt him. He would not stop pushing me. Mia, I demand to know what is the matter. Sobbing uncontrollably, I tried to explain. Look, Henry, I do not want to hurt you. He wouldn't listen to my pleas. Hurt me? What are you talking about? The tension escalated. My heart raced and my body trembled. I had to remain calm. I took a deep breath. Henry, I'm just a bit taken aback by all that is happening with us. Mia, do not be scared of what is happening. This was too much. I am not ready for this now. I can't do this, Henry. Taking the steps two at a time, finally reaching the last step, I gripped the railing. Leaning over, I clutched my chest with my right hand. All I wanted was Leo. Mia, where are you going? His voice trilled off behind me. I'm sorry, Henry. I hope one day you can forgive me. Mia, please come back. Unfortunately, Henry seemed to want something I was not ready to give. Chapter 1 My name is Mia Gerard, and dancing had always been a part of my life for as long as I could remember. I don't think there was ever been a time I didn't love it. When I was five years old, my mother enrolled me in my first ballet and jazz class. After working so hard for so many years and putting countless hours into it, I was thrilled when I began winning so many competitions. However, nothing came close to winning the heart of Leo Dancy. In my seventh grade English class, I started to feel a connection between us. I could not explain it. I mean, how can a 12-year-old know when she's in love, right? Well, I don't, although I didn't have concrete proof, I knew what I felt. It was a feeling like no other. My heart raced and my hands got sweaty every time I was near him. I know it may sound cheesy, but I literally, I literally felt like he and I were the only ones in the room and we were meant to be together. Oh, when I think about it now, I can't help but let out a chuckle. I can, see, I can still see Leo coming in with his blondish hair and green eyes looking right at me. I hadn't seen him for a while. We went to the same elementary school, but his parents moved to Chicago, and we lost touch. I was just glad to see him back in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He was always such a comedian, like the time in sixth grade when he made a joke about the Wolverines being the Ohio Buckeyes. Love of football was something that we had in common. I was never social due to my hectic dance schedule. Most of the girls, except for Courtney Deegan and Kayla West, who were in the same dance class as me, were the few that I got along with. We grew up together, so they understand me more than the rest of the girls at school. I know dancers are supposed to be graceful. Not to say I'm not, but it doesn't hurt to be one of the guys and be ladylike, too. It's okay for us to wear tutus and play in the mud. That's why Leo and I became close. Leo loved that I danced. He was very supportive, never missing a recital. Many times after dance practice, we would hang out by the lake or do bonfires surrounded by family and friends. No matter how busy we were, we always helped support each other. Boy, I miss those football games. I can still see him on the 50-yard line making passes as the band played our, song, our school song. 
He was very popular, and everyone liked him. Even the school bullies were respectful toward him. Now there is a story. One time, Chad Pearson was picking on Samantha Green, who was the new nerdy girl at school. She wore a neck brace due to a medical condition. I never saw Leo so angry. Instead of using his fist and resort to violence, though, he was there for Samantha and invited her to our lunch table. Once word got out, the football team... Once word got out to the football team, excuse me, everyone protected her, and eventually Shad was expelled. During seventh grade, I got the lead in Swan Lake. He was so proud of me, and he bought a ticket for front row seats. After dancing the last piece, Leo was the first to give me a standing ovation. Then the crowd followed, but not before I heard him shout, Way to go, Mia. They smiled at me, and then the crowd applauded even louder. Oh, I can go back and replay that forever. That was the moment I knew I had, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew I had feelings for Leo. It was the same sort of thing I'd felt when he first came into English class, only deeper. Oh, I don't want to ruin our friendship. What should I do now? I knew how I, was, how I felt about Leo, but that did not mean he felt the same way, did he? I thought about playing it cool. I don't need to say anything. If I do, and then I find out he doesn't feel the same way, it will be, be it will be weird between us. No, there is no need for him to know friends it is. For the next few days, I could not stop thinking about Leo. It was getting harder to be near him, and all I wanted to do was hide my feelings. During seventh grade finals, I was really stressed out. I didn't study for my history test <clears throat> due to the Swan Lake recital. It took so much out of me, for I was the prima ballerina. I was at the studio from the time I left school to about 10 o'clock every night. Who had time to study dead people anyway? Like, we don't even like that anymore. Uh, we don't even dress like that anymore. Ankle dresses, no makeup, no style, no ponytails were just not my thing. With a history final on my mind, worrying about it affecting my GPA, I literally ran right smack into Leo, knocking him on his butt. Mia, are you okay, he said. He asked while I lied on the floor. Embarrassed, he helped me. Turning back to my locker to hide my embarrassment, I grabbed one of the books and responded with a smile. I am fine, Leo, but are you okay? Smiling sheepishly, he replied, my bottom is a little sore and my pride is broken, but other than that, I am fine. Looking down, he stared at my feet with a puzzled look. I sighed. I didn't have time for Leo's games right now. Leo, what is the matter? Well, I noticed you were wearing two different types of shoes today. My mouth dropped open, and I quickly looked down at my shoes. I was mortified. Leo was right. My shoes didn't match. One was my running shoe for gym, and the other was my dance shoe. I didn't know what to do. It is okay, Mia. Okay? How can you think it is okay? Tears welled up in my eyes. Mia, it is okay. He leaned closer and started to twirl my hair. I pointed it out. Because my socks don't match today. We are so much the same. Looking deep into his green, humorous eyes, I felt my heart skip a beat. I silently begged him to ask me out. I, I silently begged him to ask me out. Sorry. I say we blame the weather. The moment was lost, and I tried to hide my disappointment. That is right. Michigan weather was always changing, and even though it was April, cold temps still blew in from time to time to di disorient you. Come on, I will walk you to class. He grabbed my hand and my heart leaped into my throat. I was surprisingly strong, rough, and warm. It was surprisingly strong, rough, and warm. I looked up at him. What are you doing, I asked breathlessly. 
Well, don't you think it's about time we make it official? Official? You know, go out as boyfriend and girlfriend. I blink. You do? He abruptly stopped, and I almost ran into him. Yes. Do you accept? He asked, turning toward me. I felt my heart racing again, and it was hard to get the words out. Yes, I accept. He held my hand as he walked me to my next class, and I didn't care about my shoes anymore. I will see you in English class, Mia. I smiled. See you then, Leo. I recalled this day as if it were yesterday, but only there was a way to go back. Leo Dancy was my soulmate, someone I wanted to be with the rest of my days. I fell in love with every part of him. He was one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Oh, I get so teary as I remember everything, but that's all in the past. There is no future for us. No, I refuse to think that way. This can't be the end. I don't want to wake up. I want to stay asleep. Leo, my love, I want you to take me with you. Please take me with you. Hello. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. I really enjoyed listening to every second of that. He seemed Thank like you. Such I'm sorry for the little guy. bit of uh, mistakes in my horse throat <laughs> there in between. It's okay. It's that time of year. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask, um, who did you draw inspiration from for Leo? Um, actually, that's a good question. Well, the name Leo comes from Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio because he's one of my favorite actors. So Leo, that's where I got the inspiration for that name, Leo. The Dancy, um, I, I've always admired Hugh Dancy's last name, and, and because me is a dancer, I, I chose Dancy. To, to, there's a line in there that you'll read later that he tells her, you know, you know you, you wanted to be with me because you're a dancer and my last name is Dancy. Kind of make it a little bit more romantic in there. So I kind of draw that. And that was actually one of my, my first editor. She suggested that line. So, Michelle, thank you for that line. And uh, and also Lynette Lee, who did the rest of the editing and proofreading, who brought more soul into Mia. So. But uh, Leo's just... Uh, He's like the guy, you know. Of course, my husband. I love my husband Jeremy. He's a Michigan boy, and that's why I cho- why I chose Ann Arbor. Uh, my husband's actually from Grand Rapids, and that's why I choose the setting is in Ann Arbor, hmm. Michigan, and in uh, oh. New York because I love New York. Even though I have yet to go there, but I've always wanted to go. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I've always wanted to go too, especially New Year's Eve. Watch the ball drop. Yes, please. I know, um, right? So and found- hopefully, I'm I'm in North Carolina, so hopefully, in the summer of next year, we're hoping to go. So that's that's the goal for also for 2016. Go to New York, but yeah, Leo Leo is one a guy like a guy's guy that you just you know because I know how I feel about my husband, and I guess I I wanted to bring a little bit of that to Leo. Oh yeah, I could totally pick up that you were enamored with your character. <laughs> so I, I imagine that he was maybe a little bit of your husband in there. <laughs> yes, yes. Minus the tragedy answered. part, yes. We'll leave that one out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I want to know more though. Uh, so, is, does it go with the dancing part that you were just mentioning? Well, actually, the yeah, the the dancing. I I've always loved dancing. I'm not, 
you know, I, I, I love to dance, but I've always admired um, mm-hmm. ballet and, 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 and prima ballerinas. I don't know why it wasn't one, you know, growing up, um, you know, but I've always admired dancers. I think that the, the work that goes behind the contemporary, especially me as a contemporary dancer, you, you'll find out more as you read the, the novel. I wanted to bring that story about a woman that a young woman that that has lost a lot but she has so much promise with his dancing so that's where that's where that I drew that from because my love of dancing and I've, I've always loved um to see the work that goes behind all that and people that actually go and train for that in the school like in um Chasing Clarity, Mio, go to the New York Dance Academy, and you learn more about what goes into that. And and I wanted to kind of showcase a little. It's more about Mia, but it also draws upon what what she's trying to accomplish as well. Right. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if, you know, yeah, it's like your own hopes and dreams and things you thought about doing, and yes. Didn't quite get there. And yeah. some of that is me. It's a little bit of me too, because uh, I've always, yeah. I always wanted to be a dancer and never got a chance to do it. So I, I think that writing about her kind of brought a little bit of my dreams in there. <laughs> yeah, you can realize things through your writing that you can't really do in your personal life sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned football, and there was a couple of little football clips in there. Do you like football? Are you a football fan? I love it. I'm, I know a lot of people are going <laughs> to, but I don't know if they're going to like what I say, but I'm from Texas. The only team that I love is Dallas Cowboys. And no matter what, I've moved to North Carolina. No one can ever get me to change my mind. My husband is a Carolina Panther uh, Detroit Lions, Woo! and also, uh, yeah, because he's, from, he's from, from Michigan, but he likes his Lions, Carolina Panthers, and Michigan Wolverines. The U of M is his team. So that's why I mentioned the little crack about the Buckeyes, because, you know, there's a rivalry with uh, with the Wolverines and the Buckeyes. So, except now I think it was Michigan State who beat out Michigan. So it wasn't a good weekend for the Stein household because my husband <laughs> I had to find out at work that his team lost. But, you know, like I said, you know, they're doing pretty good with their new coach and, you know, and stuff like that. And, yes, I am a football fan, so I had to bring that into into the into play there. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to write about what you know, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I'm a football fan. I grew up in Louisiana, but most people from Louisiana. Oh, so who's your really team? Are, are you a Saint fan? No, I'm not a Saints fan. I'm actually a Panthers fan from their oh, very well, first oh, year being goodness. a team. Well, you yeah. and my husband would love to torment my friend Jenny. <laughs> my friend Jenny is a big New Orleans Saints fan, and uh, oh. they came. She actually came to visit us, and her, uh, Carolina played the Saints. So my husband and her acted very, very. You know, they they were very gracious towards one another. Because you see all the trash talk <laughs> they do with each other when they play each other. So, yeah. So that's a shout-out to you, Jenny Kirby and Jeremy Stein, my husband, because uh, they have that rivalry with the Saints and the Panthers. So he'll be glad to know that you're a Panther fan, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love them. They're doing really well this year. So Yes, he was really happy <laughs> with this game. You beat the Seahawks. <laughs> 
Yes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose because they got so far behind, and then they whipped out of nowhere. And they won. came back Yay! and did it. Luke Keekly, I tell you, Luke Keekly did his thing. He did a really good job with the defense. Of course, others, but I really think I, I, that's the reason I watch the Panthers because of Luke Keekly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there has to be in, something to be in there for me. <laughs> yeah. The accident that Cam Newton had um, – and his truck, like, rolled over, and he got up and walked away from that, and I was like, oh, we're going to win next year. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was, yeah, that was that was intervention there. There's there, there, divine yeah. intervention. Cause, uh, for him to be where he is, yes, I, I, I really believe that, too. <laughs> I, I agree. So we had spoken in the very beginning about libraries and how much impact they have on authors, because I know I can't go into a bookstore or a library without actually sniffing the books, which is just a little weird. Yes, it is. But no. the first inception into a library, the first time you stepped through the doors, what did you feel? Do you remember back that far? Like, what what was it? Yes, I was very young, as I said, in kinder. I had a really good mm-hmm. teacher, Miss Torres, back in Texas, and the books. Uh, I remember looking at the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, um, and mm-hmm. and I just I was I walked in and I was like in a I don't know like a kid at a candy store kind of like your mouth <laughs> is open and you're just like wow I love these books and until this day even when I go like I said to a bookstore or Barnes and Noble or any, any store that has books I'm hooked on those. I, I just I, I act like a child. Like my face <laughs> my husband says I have a priceless face when I go into one. So, you know, it's an excited look. So when you say, Oh, I do this it's weird no it's not. It's just we love books. What can we say? You know? <laughs> it's almost a personal relationship. You can almost hear them. If you put your ear close yes, enough it's, they kind of Yes, refer, it's almost like, yeah. Oh, the books are calling. If you call them they will read or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that. We should turn that into a line. If you pick them up, you will have a fantasy. You will have an adventure. I know, right? You will, you will get to live somewhere else. It's kind of like the never-ending story where the kid finds the book and he actually lives the adventure. Oh, I oh, love that like movie, that. too. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I love a trail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite was definitely the Luck Dragon. I always wanted yes. one. Was, uh, yes. <laughs> so that's, oh, that, oh, that takes me point. back. Now I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I just made my daughter sit down and watch that movie a couple of weeks ago, and she said, "Mommy, this is cheesy." <laughs> well, you know what? It was awesome when it came out for us. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> I was like, "Still, doesn't that 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 ivory tower just take your breath away?" Like, look at it. And she was like, "No, these graphics are really bad." <laughs> No, and my and my kids did love it. One of my sons did. Paul loved it. My other son Michael's like, Mom, that doesn't look very nice. So I can relate to that. What your daughter said. <laughs> and my husband's like, that's one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but now you know how kids are nowadays with their new all these movies now. Look at all the, you know, especially after watching Harry Potter. Of course, we're always going to get that from, you know, for everything else. <laughs> right. Yes. 100%. Yes. Um, so, speaking of books and libraries, do you prefer paperbacks or ebooks? And do you think that, how do you feel about the whole ebook revolution? Okay. Well, I, I enjoy ebooks, <laughs> but I have to have a paperback 
whenever I read. I have to have that copy, whether I order it later and stuff, but it has to come in the mail so I can read it. I, do, I don't mind reading off a, a computer, but um, it took a bit of getting used to. Because for me, having that, flipping the pages, I don't know if you're like me, and you're drinking your coffee, you can hear the pages turn. Uh, it's something mm-hmm. that, you know, I love. I, especially when you get a new new book. Like on Christmas, I get, like, gift cards to Barnes & Noble. You can go purchase your books or you'll get books. And mm-hmm. for me, it's like, give me a book. What do you want for your birthday? I love reading that paperback or hardback cover. It's just just to turn the pages on it is amazing. I agree. Um, and if you drop your book in the bathtub, it costs about $20 to replace. If you drop your iPad or iPhone in the bathtub, it costs about $500 to replace. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's another good point. Great, great one. And there's nothing wrong with e-books. Don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate my readers, you know, downloading. It's a lot easier, too. But for me, I, I've always loved the appreciation of a paperback. It's one of my favorite things. I agree. And, again, the smell. And and authors can actually physically sign them, which I adore. Yes, exactly. And I hope to see uh, many, many of my books in bookstores, uh, hopefully in the near future as well. (laughs) Oh, I think that's a dream for all of us, absolutely. Um, So speaking of Mm -hmm. signing, though, um, do you have any signing events coming up where people can find you and maybe get a book and get it signed by you? Um, I'm hoping to do that in 2016. I'm working on some events, hopefully, for next year. This year, the mm-hmm. uh, mainly the one that you uh, put on your, you were very gracious to put on your, uh, on your show, the link to the uh, event on Facebook this Saturday. I'll be online on Facebook from 11 to 6 um, uh, Eastern and with some wonderful, amazing authors. We're going to have, and it's going to be to celebrate the release of Chasing Clarity uh, on paperback, both paperback and ebook. I did a release for the ebook last week on on October 8th. It was during the week, but this time it's about the paperback and the ebook. We're going to have amazing prizes, and also I'm doing a Twitter chat uh, at that evening uh, with the hashtag Phil's Chasers on there at 7 to 8 o'clock Eastern. I'll be live taking your questions, the Q&As on Twitter as well. So I'm doing it all. <laughs> Do you have a hashtag for your Twitter chat? Yes, it's a hashtag Syl, S-Y-L, Chasers. Oh, okay, cool. Everybody, I'll yep. add that to the description of the show so you guys can keep up with it. Um, Thank you so much. And that was something last minute that I thought about doing, um, I, when I sent you the information, I hadn't thought of it, but I thought, well, I'm doing another Q&A, because I, I had a, a one before, and there wasn't a big turnout. I thought, because the events this day, maybe I had I would have more people on there this time. So. Oh, yeah. Um, you always get more and more and more as you go along. It's, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess because you Exactly. Yes, like, we do. Oh. So, yeah. So, paperbacks, everybody, get on that event on Facebook, definitely get on over there and sign up for that. Um, so one more thing before we go. Um, yes. Do you have a sage piece of advice for a new author, somebody who's struggling, maybe they're new, writing their first book? What piece of advice would you give them? Always remember the, the biggest thing, never give up. Keep writing. Um, 
ask for help from other authors um, that you know or writers. Uh, I'm one, if any new writer wants to send me a message uh, for advice, please go ahead and feel free to contact me to give you advice. Um, I always say keep writing, believe, never let one person uh, discourage you from writing. Uh, there, there's a difference between, I always say, there's people that like to be honest, which is good to be honest about what they think about your writing, but there's a way to say it without sounding, you know, harsh and, and critical. There, you have to, yes, it's going to be hard because I had that happen to me in the beginning, but you never let a few people discourage you from writing. If you, that's what you want to do when you go to sleep, when you wake up in the morning, that's the first thing you have on your mind, you keep at it. You keep working towards it and believing and you will get it done and and like i said i'm i'm a big advocate of paving it forward because that's what i've gotten in return and my grandmother may she rest in peace always said treat others as you would like to be treated i always like to treat people with kindness and help them and for any new writer that's listening believe in yourself never give up those are my two biggest things and always ask for encouragement and if you need help there's writers groups out there people that can encourage you in a positive way so i hope that helps oh, that that will be very sage advice for someone out there who's just starting that was excellent um i want to thank, thank you for you. coming on the show today sylvia it was a pleasure to have you Oh, it was a pleasure for me to to be on. It's amazing. And, again, a shout-out to everyone, uh, Natalie Raven, all the other authors, friends of mine, and my family. And thank you so much for having me today. It's been awesome to – I hope all the people that are listening, um, it's been an honor being here with all of you. Well, it was awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and your your reading was amazing. I can't wait to go check out your book. Be sure and check out Miss Sign Out on the web via the link in the show description. And tune in next week for another edition of A Daily Cup of Joe. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, may your coffee be hot and your muse be loud. <laughs>